You're listening to a sermon from Hebron Baptist Church, a church in the northern Kentucky Cincinnati area that's committed to making disciples who make disciples. We want our love for God to be evident in our lives and for the Word of God to bear fruit as we go on mission across the street and around the globe. We hope after hearing this message, you'll connect with us on our website at hebronbaptist.org and visit our campus, not far from I-275 in Hebron, some Sunday morning. Our worship services are at 9.30 or 11. And now, here's a message from God's perfect, life-changing Word. Bible or on your device to Psalm 3. Psalm 3. Go to the middle of the Bible and go to the third Psalm or page 472 in the Pew Bible that is in front of you. 472. A few weeks ago, we started to turn the corner of page a little bit about, uh, we talked about how to go through uh, suffering, anxiety, depression busyness. And and a few weeks ago, we looked at changing some of the attitudes and actions that we might go through to to keep us from that. And so that's what we're doing today. We're looking at uh, one overlooked step, which is recharge, sleeping, and resting. Rest protects us from anxiety, and anxiety keeps us from rest. And so today, We're going to look at how the Bible teaches us about rest as being a discipline for us that we might trust in the Lord. So let's uh, go to uh, let's go to God's Word and read together and see what He might have for us today. Lord, how my foes increase! There are many who attack me. Many say about me, "There is no hope for him in God," but you, Lord, are a shield about me. My glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cry aloud to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not be afraid of thousands of people who have taken their stand against me on every side. Rise up, Lord. Save me, my God. You strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. May your blessing be on your people. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray as we have sung that your word would be planted deep in us, that it might produce a fruit of faithfulness, of strength, Lord, of discipline, that we might love you more and be filled with your grace. Lord, as we listen to these words, may we be encouraged to faithfully follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there is an outbreak. Americans are zombies. I'm not talking about the walking dead, but one-third of Americans are walking around like they are dead. According to a very large study that was produced in December... Over 400,000 participants, a third of Americans are getting less than six hours of sleep a night. And the medical community tells us that uh, someone 18 to 65 years old should be getting, on average, seven to nine hours of sleep a night. Now, each person, each uh, person is different, so some might need seven, some might need nine. 
But we see that it is in this, this restlessness, this lack of sleep that we see people are suffering and harming themselves. There are short-term consequences. There's the inability to concentrate, mood swings, and, um, oh yeah, memory loss. There are longer-term consequences. There, there is the, the, the day-to-day basis, the, acci- uh, the uh, risk for accidents uh, increase, engaging at conflicts at home and in the workplace. And over time, there is medical problems that arise due to increased lack of sleep. There are weight gain, weakened immune system, Uh, There's an increase in developing diabetes, uh, heart disease, and even dementia. And those who don't sleep are prone to depression and discouragement. Now, what did this study find that are the two leading causes of this lack of sleep? Well, one, devices, screen time is up. And number two, increased stress. It's kind of the weird, what is the chicken and what is the egg? What increases the stress causes lack of sleep or sleep causes the lack of sleep increases the lack of stress. We see that sleeplessness is from fear and anxieties in our hearts. Now we know that laziness has to be a concern for us. Kind of the other end of the spectrum, right? Some who don't sleep enough or rest enough and those who sleep or rest too much. We know and read from the Bible that it says that laziness is disgrace, leads to poverty, doesn't make any sense, and if you don't work, you don't eat, the Bible teaches us. But many of us have been caught in trying to keep up with the expectations of culture and the expectations of others that the treadmill of life is keeping us ragged. Maybe you're here today and you know In your life, it is filled with restlessness and sleeplessness. Maybe you haven't slept well for a long time. Maybe you haven't taken a vacation in a long time, and it is hurting and harming your family, and you are running ragged. The Bible is clear. We are made to rest. The Bible shows us that God has created a Sabbath for us to rest. We see and read in Jesus' life, often he went alone and went away to rest. If Jesus needs rest, then we do. Our spiritual problem is that causes this, that we lack trusting in God to care for us. We lack in trusting God to care for our work. Instead of doing what we can and leaving to the grace of God, we overschedule, we overwork, we fail to rest. We can't afford our stuff, and so we work harder to keep our stuff. Maybe it's the lack of our stewardship that keep our finances out of whack, that we feel like the more that we work, that will work itself out sometime. Or maybe it's our status at work that we feel like we can't walk away, even for a week on vacation, or all things will fall down. Whatever it is, our bodies are suffering. Our families are suffering. And our churches are suffering. You know, it used to be that if you were uh, considered a regular attender in a church, you would attend church four times a, a month. Actually, it used to be eight times a month, right? But it was at least four times a month. And now, considered a regular church goer, you are 
here two times a month. This is American churches. Why? Because we have so exhausted ourselves, we're working ourselves, that even the weekends and even our Lord's Day Sabbath is becoming something that is harder for us. Brothers and sisters, though, we need to rest. We need to rest our bodies. We need to rest our minds. We need to rest in the care of the God who loves us. If we believe in a sovereign God who's created the world and can care in all things, then there is no reason that we can't lay our head on our pillows at night. If we believe that God is the God who cares for all things, who has gifted us in our workplace, that will provide for us and in us, then there is no reason for us to take a vacation and trust and relax in it. Brothers and sisters, to protect us from busyness, depression, anxiety, and our bodies being harmed, we need to rest in the Lord. So today as we look at the scriptures, we will learn how David learned to rest in God, which enabled him to rest his body. So let's today look at these three things from this text. Number one, we need to rest even in overwhelming situations. We need to rest even in overwhelming situations. That seems counterintuitive. It seems as though that, that we should not, not rest during those times, but we see as an example in, in David's life that we should rest in God in these times. Verse one says, Lord, how my foes increase. There are many who attack me. Many say about me, there is no help for him in God. Now, we, we understand here that David wrote this psalm, and we also know from scriptures that this is in the backdrop of 2 Samuel chapters 15 through 17. What's happening during David's life at that time? Well, it is his third son, Absalom, who, is, who has started a coup among the people and among the king's men and have chased David out of power. These verses say something to see that David's in a situation where he feels that there is no hope. He says here that there are foes increasing around him. What he sees is that they're in his circumstances right now. It's harder for him to trust God because of what is happening in his circumstances. Now, to know what's happening is actually true. David had 600 men. Absalom had 12,000. I didn't serve in the military and I wasn't in a, a captain, but I know math, that he is overwhelmed at that moment. He is uphill battle. But listen even in, more intently at how David felt. David heard the cries of people. And in verse two, they're saying, even God can't help me now. Isn't this why we lay at sleep awake at night? Maybe you don't lay awake at night. Maybe you wake up in the middle of the night. Or maybe what I've been doing, I, I go to sleep trying to trust the Lord in those things. And then I wake up early with my mind just racing about the day ahead of me. Maybe you are understanding that. Why are we doing this? Well, here we see or we think or we hope that we look at our situations and we think there is no hope. And that's where David finds himself. We think that there is no resolution in store. There's nothing that will happen, that nothing can work itself out. A few weeks we learned ago, we learned that anxiety comes from not trusting God. And in effect, we are laying up 
awake at night trying to play God instead of trusting God. We doubt ourselves, we doubt our outcomes, but most importantly, we're doubting God who can control it. And this is this rising of doubt that, that continues to grow in our mind, in our lives, in our souls, that we can't sleep at night. But instead of this, we should be developing a habit. This is not a legalistic call. This is a call to wisdom. There are moments and phrases and seasons in life that will sleep little. But on, 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 on the whole, we should be disciplining ourselves to sleep. And especially in the time of overwhelming situations. Because the less we sleep, the more we doubt. The problem is not sleeping or not getting the habit of sleep. We are making the problem worse. D.A. Carson wrote in his book, Scandalous, on the resurrection of Jesus, of death and resurrection of Jesus. He writes about this. He says, doubt may be fostered by sleep deprivation. If you keep burning the candle at both ends, sooner or later you indulge in more and more mean cynicism. And the line between cynicism and doubt is a very thin one. Of course, different individuals require different numbers of hours of sleep. Moreover, some cope with a bit of tiredness better than others. Nevertheless, if you are among those who become nasty, cynical, or even full of doubt when you are missing your sleep, you are morally obligated to get the sleep you need. You are a whole, you are a whole complicated beings. Our physical existence is tied to our spiritual well-being, to your mental outlook, to our relationship with others, including our relationship with God. Sometimes the godliest thing you can do in the universe is get a good night's sleep. Not pray all night, but sleep. I'm certainly not denying that there may be a place for praying all night. I'm merely insisting that in the normal course of things, spiritual discipline obligates you to get the sleep your body needs. You see, as we sleep, we are fostering in us the perspective that God is in control. When our situations are something we can't control, it is more than we need to remind ourselves that God is in control. That we need to sleep and exercise, maybe even, or get vacation. That, that we need to get this perspective. Charles Spurgeon said, a mouthful of sea air or a stiff walk in the wind's face will not give you grace to the soul, but it would yield oxygen to the body, which is next best. Some of us, need to trust in the Lord in this way. Get away and get a new fresh perspective on how God is working. I don't know how many people have come to me and say, Pastor, I've been so burnt out at work. I've been so struggling. I don't know. I don't know. I can't see what's good. I can't even see what's even almost not quite good. I, I can't really see the purpose in work. And yet I was able to get away, take a vacation, I prioritized God back in my life and, and a discipline with him and I was able to reconnect with my family and I was able to just get away and, and God, and pastor, this break helped God put things back in perspective for me. I see my purpose, I see the purpose for my life. I see the purpose for my work. Maybe that's what you need is to, to rest at night or go on vacation to trust God, to learn that he is in control. We need to trust God and sleep and make scheduled times of rest and recharging, even in difficult situations. Because number two, 
Rest makes us trust that God has the answers. Rest makes us trust that God has the answers. Listen to what David wrote. But you, God, are a shield about me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. I cry aloud to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. Look, David has learned that he can put his trust in God. That even in this circumstance, that it is God who holds his hope. It is his faith in God that allows him to find rest in God and rest in life. He says in verse 3, but you, God, but you, not me, uh, not, um, not my works, not the way that I, I do things, not these people, not these relationships, n- not these things, but you, God, are a shield about me. He rested the promise of God to be a, a shield of protection, that God would care. What is restlessness? Well, where restlessness is doubting that God will be good to us and provide for us. God knows that's why we're anxious, just as it is written in Psalm 127 too. He writes, in vain you get up early and stay up late, working hard to have enough food. Yet, yes, he gives sleep to the one he loves. What is this telling us? That you will overwork early and late because you are doubting God's provision for you, but it is a reminder that God loves us and will provide for us. We get up early and stay up late trusting, not trusting God will provide our daily needs. We're very much like the Israelites when they're in the wilderness and God promises that he will Give them sustenance through the manna from heaven. Every morning they will have manna from heaven, that they will have enough to to strengthen them, to eat, to provide for them that day. Don't store it up because you're thinking you might not have enough tomorrow. And no, I will give you enough for tomorrow, tomorrow. Trust me today. Eat what I give you today. But isn't that what our anxiety and worry is? God, you're not going to give me enough today. Tomorrow I need to dip into that. And try to, try to care for that over there tomorrow. God is working in the world. And God is taking care of us. And our sleep is trusting God will provide for us in all circumstances. Friends, our daily act of sleep is, is in essence trusting God in this. Right? Every night of your life, you have laid down and gone unconscious to the world around you. There is nothing to protect you. There is nothing to keep a fly or a bug from going in your mouth. Oh, that's so gross. There's nothing that you know that that you know that you lay awake without any protection other than this that you know that in while you sleep, you feel that you have the promise you're going to wake up in the morning and everything's going to be okay. The process of sleep is trusting that as you are unconscious to the world, that the God of the universe still has the world spinning on its axis and everything in life and in history is going on even while we sleep. It is a daily practice in trusting in God. And in this, if we can trust God to sleep, should we trust him in the same way while we're awake? That he's doing all those things then too? 
Sleep is this act of trusting in God. David says here, he he goes even further. How did he get there? He says, your shield around me, my glory. David is saying what, you are what I glory in God, not my stuff, not my relationships, not my things. And that when I understand this, then those things don't control me as much as I want you to control me. Your glory, Lord. I don't want to glory in my stuff. You see, our trials become less trying when we place them in the glare of the greatness of God. When we glory in him, all these things become less and less and less and less. Martin Lloyd-Jones says that he believes one of the keys of of the Christian life is gaining our confidence mostly in God and not in ourselves. Friends, we need to listen. We need to understand and trust in God that we glory in him. That then David goes on further. He, this personal work, in verse four, he lifts up my head. Second Samuel fifteen thirty records David in the midst of this attack uh, that he uh, it, it is recording. Him and his people are weeping. They're weeping over what Absalom is doing. They're weeping on the fact that they're on the run. They're weeping on the fact that David's sin has caused a lot of this division. They're weeping over all this that's going on. And their heads are down. And and when you're weeping and you're emotional, your, your chin is to your chest and you're looking down. And in many ways, when we're downtrodden by our circumstances, we're looking to ourselves. We're looking to those problems. But what does David David said, say, he says, God lifts up my head. He says, look to me. All will be well. Look how I will care for you. Look to my glory. Look to my love for you. Do not be downtrodden. Look to me. Trust me. You know, I watched on the playground one time, there was this child who was trying to move their toys. They had unloaded this whole I don't know what it was, kind of like a, maybe a wagon of stuff of toys, and they'd unloaded it, and their mom and dad had called and said, hey, it's time to pack up, and so here's this little kid under the age of five that's trying to pack up their stuff, and she, the, the little kid packs it all up, and they take one little tug of the wagon, and something falls off, and, and then they put it back on the wagon, and then they take another tug of the wagon, and something else falls off. And this goes on for like several minutes, and you can see this kid just like getting upset, trying to make it perfect and get it all right, and, 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 and just keeps getting more and more frustrated, more and more frustrated. And then their dad walks over, and this child who is just frustrated looks up and just starts crying. Not that they're in trouble, but because help had come. They knew that their father who loved them was gonna help. God is saying, I will lift your eyes to me. Trust me, because I will help you. I am your shield. I will provide for you. I will care for you. God is wanting us to look to him that we might trust him and glory in him. He will take care of the rest. And lack of sleep keeps us from seeing God at work in our lives and trusting in his promises. 
John Piper wrote about this. He, he observed in his own life, he said, another is that I'm emotionally less resilient when I lose sleep. There are early days when I would work without regard to sleep and feel energized and motivated. In the last seven or eight years, my threshold for despondency is much lower. For me, adequate sleep is not a matter of staying healthy. It's a matter of staying in the ministry. It is irrational that my future should look bleaker when I get four to five hours of sleep several nights in a row, but that's irrelevant. Those are the facts, and I must live in the limits of facts. I commend sufficient sleep to you for the sake of your proper assessment of God and his promises. When we stress and we worry and we work, it keeps us from seeing the promises of God alive in our lives. We stop seeing the miracle of God performing only what he can do. Worrying will build your anxiety until you do something to relieve that stress. Sometimes that could be sin that we might take part in. But the least that we do is that we're keeping God from providing and showing off in our life. So lay down your head at night and trust that God who is at work in your life will be your shield and will help you and he will accomplish much in you. And how can we do this? Because we know, number three, sleep demonstrates our rest in Christ. Verse five through eight. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not be afraid of thousands of people who have taken their stand against me on every side. Rise up, Lord. Save me, my God. You strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. May your blessing be on your people. You see, once David had fixed his eyes on God, look in verse 5, I lie down and sleep. He understands that God is his hope. The only hope that he has for salvation, that no matter the circumstance, that that God is the savior of his people. And how do we know this? How do you know this? Because why God didn't stay in heaven, but he came to earth. He came to live in this stress-filled life that is ours. And he came as the God-man who lived among us, who lived under the same stresses, and yet he lived a perfect life. And this same God-man Jesus was crucified on the cross, paying the debt of our sin. And this same God-man was raised to life to show that he is the Savior for all of God's people. And rest is designed for us to see our need, our hope only comes in Jesus. It has been the story throughout in Genesis chapter 2. God designed uh, and as he created the world, he rested on the seventh day in Genesis chapter 2. So the heavens and earth and everything in them were completed. On the seventh day, God had completed his work and um, that he had done and rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, for he rested from all his work of creation. Now, did God really need a break? No. Did God stop being God for the day? No. He did it to display his work of completion, his happiness, and his his joy in his work of creation, but also to teach Adam and Eve, as well as us, that we are designed to rest. 
But then God goes even further. He commanded a day of rest. In Exodus chapter 20, 8 through 11, he says, Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. You are to labor six days and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. You must not work. You, your son, your daughter, your male or female servant, your livestock, or the resident alien who is within your city gates. For the Lord made the heavens and earth, the sea, and everything in them in six days. Then he rested on the seventh. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. Based on this example, God was wanting his people to put worship of him first and to rest trusting God will provide for them. You see, it is God himself who is saying to us that the Lord's day he has given us, now the first day of the week that we say that we are to rest, that we are trusting that he will provide for us. Where all the other world people say that seven days I must work, seven days I must do everything. I must do everything by the work of my hands. We are saying, no, in six days we will do what we need and we trust for God to provide the rest. I mean, we don't have to look any further than Chick-fil-A for their Jesus chicken and all that is goodness in it, but also how they run their business. That they say it's enough for us to allow our people to work on a seventh day where every other fast food industry person works seven days a week. And for the last several years, they make more in revenue through the drive through six days than everybody else for seven days. We know that all Sabbaths or the Lord's Day now are still not restful for us, right? <laughs> the weekends, the Sabbath day. So even though God gave us this, there must be something greater ahead. You see, a truer rest is not in a day. The truer rest comes in Jesus. When we can truly rest in him, when he says to us, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. How do we know? Because do we need to worry about our sin anymore? Not in Christ, no more we don't. Do we have to worry about life after death? In Christ, no more we don't. Do we need to have to worry about who will sustain us and what we have to do in heaven for eternity? No, we don't because in Christ, we have eternal rest. You may rest in your salvation. You may rest in Jesus. Your work, friends, will not be your salvation. It may feel like it, you may feel like you're accomplishing more, but guess what happens when your salvation or savior is your work? You're gonna to have to do more and do more and do more, thinking it will, find, it will finally be enough, but friends, only Christ is your rest. And let's remind ourselves today, there's only one savior of the world, and it's not you, and it's not me. So if we're staying up at night getting up in the middle of the night trying to control the world, well, friends, you're not the savior that the world is looking for. It's Jesus. Rest reminds us of the ultimate rest that we find in Jesus. And so here's just a few things in my, in my research that helps us to trust God in our life and our circumstances that we should help us to have better rest. First of all, we should pray your concerns at the end of the day. 
If there are concerns and circumstances and problems, we should just stop. Before we go to even begin the process of, of sleep, we need to stop and pray. The Bible says, do not be anxious, but give it all to God in prayer. Therefore, we must stop and pray. Pray with your spouse. Pray and give these concerns over to God. Return to the verse that you started at the beginning of the day. See how God was alive through that verse and through the Bible in your life and, and praise him for it. Do something to wind down. That doesn't mean get on a screen or do something or do something that will in, increase your, uh, your being wound up before you go to bed. Do something that calms you down. The medical community tells you to kill the caffeine. We are filled with caffeine and the more we drink, the more it will keep us awake. It has become the drug that nobody talks about as the one that controls us the most. We need to exercise. The more that we exercise, the more we'll want to sleep at night. Talk to a doctor if you're having health concerns that are keeping you awake. And also plan and keep your vacations. Know it's important to recharge. Know it's important to keep your vacations for yourself and for your family. Our most important thing that we need to do today is trust the Lord. So maybe someone here Maybe all of your life you have been trying to find the, the answers to your needs. Maybe today you need to turn to Christ for the first time. The first time for salvation. Your work, you're trying to earn God's favor, it's not going to happen. You need to trust in the Lord by faith alone and be saved. See Christ's completed work on the cross and that you might be born again. If you want true rest, eternal rest, you will turn to him. And someone here, a believer, needs to trust God for their family, relationship, job, health, or future. God is your shield. He is our savior. Trust him in your circumstance. And the more you trust and rest in God, the more you will get the rest you need. Let's pray. God, we are thankful for the reminder from your word today. May we be people who trust in you more than ourselves, more than our circumstances. And Lord, we pray that we would learn to rest in you. We pray this morning, God, that if there's someone here who has been flailing their whole life trying to find the answer to salvation. May they have come and found the good news is not them, but your son Jesus, who has died for their sin, who's been raised to life to give them eternal life. May they see the hope in Jesus. May they be saved today. In God's precious son's name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Hebron Baptist Church. We pray as you have listened, the Holy Spirit has worked in your heart that you may faithfully follow him. Most importantly, we hope that you've been drawn into a relationship with God. At Hebron, we believe that the gospel is the central message of the Bible. The gospel is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, who was born of the Virgin Mary lived a sinless life, 
and died for our sins. But he was raised from the dead and ascended to the right hand of God. The most appropriate response to hearing this good news is turning from sin and turning to Christ. Don't stay far from God. Instead, repent and believe in Christ and be brought into an intimate relationship with him. If you would like more information about this life-changing decision, please contact us through our website at hebronbaptist.org or even better, come see us on a Sunday morning. May God bless you as you follow him.